If you will turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8. Um, tonight, what I would like to share with you about is God is with me. God is with me. Look to somebody next to you and say, God is with me. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just welcome and we invite you in here. Holy Spirit, have your way. Be magnified. Father God, there is truth. We believe there is truth and there is power in your word to, to change lives. And it is not by our might or our power, but it is by your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you in here. Have your will and have your way and be magnified in the name of Jesus. Amen. In Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8, um, as I was, as I was reading this uh, scripture today, man, it just, it, um, it got me fired up, you know, and, um, as if it was just a battle cry, you know, many times throughout our, our business of our life or whether it's, uh, uh, a phone call or a text that we got or whether it's a scheduling conflict, man, the enemy just to loves to just interrupt our lives and, um, and bring the unexpected, uh, to us. But man, this is such a, this is such an encouraging word. Deuteronomy 31, 6 to 8. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God will go ahead of you. This is cool. <laughs> God knows what tomorrow is going to look like, even though if you don't. The Lord your God will go ahead of you. He will neither fail you or forsake you. Look to somebody next to you. He will not fail you or forsake you. That's good. I'm encouraging myself. Okay. Then Moses called for Joshua and as and as all Israel watched, he said to them, be strong and courageous for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord God swore, the Lord God swore to give their ancestors. You are the one who will deliver it to them as their inheritance. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is the one who goes again before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor forsake you. God is a huge, huge God. And tonight we're going to, we're going to read the word of God and we're going to brag and talk about his goodness. There is a lot of scripture and I encourage you get a pen, write it down. And I just, just continue to let it rest on your mind. Just continue to let it process on you because there's no way that you and I will have confidence. There's no way that you and I will put our trust in God if we do not know him. If we do not hear his voice, if we do not know his character, okay? And uh, I find it interesting that in this scripture, there was a changing of the guard. You had Moses, you know, the great leader, you know, the man that stood on top of, of the mountain when the Amalekites battle was coming on and worshiped. And as he worshiped, God was giving them victory. Even though Joshua was in the valley and he had the sword and he had the troops and, and he was uh, warding off all of the enemies, the battle was not come with them gauging in, in physical combat. The battle was being won when Moses was worshiping. So here was a changing of the guard. And Moses said, okay, it's your turn. You're going to take the baton. But you know what? It was amazing. He didn't say, hey, I, you can do this. He didn't say... You know, he, he, he didn't give them the old coach cheer. Let's go. What he did say is he reminded him, Hey, God can never leave you. 
God can never forsake you. He spoke of the goodness of God and not about Joshua's attributes, not about all the things that Moses accomplished, but whenever the changing up of the time, he was saying, it is vital that you know God can never fail you. God will never forsake you. See, God has an assignment for us as his sons and as his daughters. What is that assignment? To be the salt and the light of the world. Jesus Christ, by his spirit, lives inside of us. And the only way that the world will know of him, of his character, of his promises, is through us. But when you and I come to that precious moment when God begins to speak to us, he begins to give us an assignment. Hey, I want you to do this. Whoa, <laughs> Lord, hold on. No one in my family has ever done that. Oh, Lord, I, I, I don't have the education for that. Oh, Lord, um, you know how busy my schedule is. There is no way I can fit anything else. So listen, I'm going to go ahead of you. And I will not fail you. And I will not forsake you. Because it's not just for my benefit. I'm the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. But you will never be fulfilled unless you do my will for your life. See, God is with me. Not as a slogan, not as a saying. God is with me. He is with me because who he is. He is with me because he paid a high price for you and I to have access into his eternal eternity with him. And he wants all of mankind to receive that. And when you and I know, hey, God is with me. Yep, there's sickness in the family. Yep, the car broke. Yeah, I understand. Yep, I just lost my job. I'm not making light of any of these trials in life. But when we know and we declare and we set unwavering, God is with me. Our life example declares to everyone that does not have hope and that everyone that does not know him, what is it about them? What is it about them that they're still standing? Because God is with me. Amen. Amen. Psalm 118 through 24. Um, as I was studying this, it's real cool, so I'm going to give a little history on it. Um, how many of you ever woke up in the morning and you said, today is the day that the Lord has made? And you say it real enthusiastically, right? Anybody ever do that? I'm the only one. Okay. All right. Pastor Brandon does too. Okay. Well, as I was reading and studying this, come on, Psalm 118, 24, it says, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's give a little history. There is a Jewish custom that they would sing. It's called a Hallel Psalm. And that word Hallel means praise. It's where we get our hallelujah. And every time that there was Passover, they would sing this hymn. And it's believed that there are six hymns that they would sing from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. And what they, and, and if you read Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, what they, uh, the children of Israel were saying is, Hey, God has delivered us from slavery and bondage in Egypt. That's what they're singing. That's what they're praising. The children of Israel, they're saying, God has rescued us from the enemy, chasing after us, parting the Red Sea and drown the enemy. So listen, next time you wake up in the morning and you begin to say, okay, today is the day that the Lord has it. Remember the origin of where that came from. Yes, Lord, 
I know what you did on the cross for me because today I can walk in peace. Today I can walk in victory. Today I can have guidance and understanding because of who you are and what you did on Calvary for me. Amen? So it's a new meaning to today is the Lord Uh, Today is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice. Not only today, but tomorrow and the day after, God is still God. And he is still on the throne. He is not nor never scared of Satan. I tell you, I almost entitled this message, God is not scared. (laughs) And the reason why is because we know what tomorrow is, right? But God created today and he created tomorrow. Even though if the enemy tries to claim it, God created the day. God is a sovereign God. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Um, uh, in staff meeting, uh, Pastor Brandon read this and I'm like, ooh, that's good. I got to write it down. Got to write it down. Put it in my notes. But um, I just want you to listen of the analogy of this and how we can apply it to our lives. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Even though the fig tree has no blossom and there are no grapes in the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of the Lord is my strength. He will make me as sure-footed as a deer, and bring me safely over the mountains. What are some analogies that we can get from this? The fig tree. God, I don't see anything sweet operating in my life right now. What is the analogy of the grapevine? God, I'm not celebrating right now. I'm surviving. Anybody ever have those moments? God, I don't see a lot of sweet things going on. God, I don't see a lot of things that I can celebrate. But remember, the sovereignty of the Lord is my strength. The sovereignty of the Lord is my strength. Ephesians 6, uh, verses 12. For we are not fighting against flesh, we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule the world, and against wicked spirits and the heavenly realms. Now let's talk about some things that that are realities uh, on our schedule and 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 uh in tomorrow. When you hear words like it's on or bring it on, what what do you think of? Someone fighting. I'm not condoning that. I'm simply using that as an example. Okay? So when you hear those words, you immediately hear of uh these statements or references that there is a fight about to happen. When you and I face the battles of life, the enemy wants to intimidate us and scare us like someone dressing up in a Halloween costume who's bloody and threatening and gory. But if you take off the mask and see the character of the person for who they really are, they're not scary at all. That is the enemy. That is the enemy. You walk into stores and you see, you know, a display of demonic activity. When you see, you know, um, people dressed up and, and, you know, um, of just blood and gore, you know, 
the whole purpose is let's scare, let's afraid. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do in our lives. But only what we have to do is go and remove the mask. And we will see exactly what really is there. Oh, that's just a lie. Oh, that's just fear. Oh, that's just intimidation. Who do they think they are? Not they, the enemy. Who does he think he is? It is just like Satan to claim a day God has made and trying to claim the day God has given us to serve him. This is his character, Satan's character, John 8, 44. He was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in him. And when he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is the liar and the father of lies. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his purpose. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the purpose and the will of God. Satan's desire is he wants dominion. Listen to me carefully. His strategies of lies, threats, stealing, and fear is to take dominion over God and us. The audacity. Like he would ever be able to do that. I mean, really? You know? Dominion comes from two root, comes from the root word, a Latin word. Two words. Uh, Dominus, meaning the Lord and master, and Damas, meaning house. I'm going to say it again. Dominion comes from two root Latin words. Dominus, meaning Lord and master, and Damas, meaning house. You put that together, what the enemy wants is he wants to be our Lord and master and rule our house. And rule our house. That's, that's what he wants. When you are in charge of something or rule it, you have dominion over it. So I have two points tonight. That's it. And I'm going to finish them really quickly in the name of Jesus. Because I want us to focus on, 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 a, on a lot of scripture. How can I experience that God is with me? How can we experience that God is with me? One, believe that God is not deficient in anything. In anything. God is not scared. He is not confused. He is not lost. He is not running away from us. He is not hiding. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-present. Acts 17, 27 through 20. Through 28, it says, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. Again, how can I experience that God is with me? Believe that God is not deficient in anything, in anything. Satan will never, come on, look to somebody next to you, say never have dominion over God. That is vital for you and us to know as believers because the enemy would want to to attack when when uh, life begins to become disheveled when unexpected things when heartbreak things happen i am telling you satan is going to go right for who is the lordship of your heart that's it oh god must not care for you if that happened 
God must not be who he really says he is if he's not providing. Because he wants dominion. He wants lordship. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Come on, let's look what the word says. This is good. I love this. Genesis 1, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was empty and formless, formless, masked, cloaked in darkness, and the spirit of God was hovering over its surface. Isaiah 43, 10 through 14. But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. And you are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand me that I am, I alone am, I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been. There never will be. I am the Lord God and there is no other Savior. Come on, that's truth right there. The word says, first I predicted your deliverance. I declared what I would do and then I did it. I saved you. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can oppose what I do and no one can reverse my actions. Amen. Let me tell you what that means. No one can undo the blood of Jesus Christ and the work that he did on Calvary for us. That means that Satan is now and he will always be defeated. When the word of God says that that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's identifying he's under your feet. He is the liar. He is a thief. And only what you have to do is you got to remove that mask. But what causes you to, gives you the authority, gives you the confidence to remove that mask is you have got to know the truth of the word of God. It is vital. It is vital. You and I cannot confidently say God is with me. You and I will not believe that God is with me if we do not know the truth of the word of God. When it says no one can reverse God's actions. No one can. No circumstance, no situation, no position. He is who he says that he is. He will do what he says he will do. And no demon in hell will ever be able to undo that in the name of Jesus. We can stand as confident sons and daughters in that. Amen? Here's facts about dominion. You ready? All right. Facts about God's dominion. It's eternal. Come on. It's eternal. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end. Come on, look to somebody next to you say, no end. I'm going to continue. The increase of his government are a peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. What is saying? There's no end to his kingdom. There's no end to his throne. There's no end to his power and his authority and his reign. Even if we have a bad day, even if there is heartbreak, that there is frustration, we feel like that there is hell going on this earth. We can declare, God, you are a king of kings and all of lords. And there is no end to your peace that I have access to. There is no end to your healing and your provisions that I have access to. And when we know that, we can stand 
and say, yes, there's craziness going around me, but God is with me because he is of no end. Amen. Amen. Eternal. Daniel 7, 14, it says, And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Destroyed. Even though it feels like that every thing is coming against you and your schedule are coming against you and your family coming against you and 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 you're a believer in God remember hold on to the words God's kingdom will not be destroyed okay facts about God's dominion it's eternal facts about God's dimension excuse me God's dominion he has dominion over heavenly powers Ephesians 3:22 says now Christ has gone to heaven He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all the angels and authorities and powers are bowing before him. Come on, when you and I began to praise his name, when you and I began to call on his name, God, I need you in my business. God, I need you in my relationships. God, I need you in giving me wisdom and guidance in my parenting. What you're doing is you are, you are activating your faith and you are calling on the power that is in his name on your behalf because his name is greater than any other name. And if there's anything that is operating in your life illegally, and I don't mean illegally like, you know, you ran a stop sign illegally. I mean like the enemy has tried to bombard you with fear, has tried to bombard you with inferiority, has tried to bombard you with inadequacy. When you begin to call on the name of Jesus, it begins to weed that out. Whoa, whoa, what is your thinking? What, what are you doing here? And you just have to say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I don't know where this oppression is coming from. Lord, I don't know where this doubt is coming from. But I call on the name of Jesus. Lord, I need you. I speak healing over my mind. I speak order to my soul. And I'm telling you, anything that attaches itself to you that does not come from the King of kings and Lord of lords has to be broken when you declare his name. Because he has dominion over the powers of heaven. Amen. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. So one, he has an eternal dominion. God has a dominion over heavenly powers. God has dominion over universal and over nature. So what do you mean, Dixie? Psalm 72, 8 says, and he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. He's God over all, over all. So there's no place where you can go, where you can think and says, well, is God going to be here? His king, his arm stretches out to wherever you are anytime you need him. John 3, 35, the father loves his son and he has given him authority over everything. Matthew 7, 23 through 27. It says, then G, and we know this, we know this story. Then Jesus got into the boat and he started across the lake with his disciples. And suddenly a terrible storm came up with, with the waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I love it. It's so cool. You know, again, Jesus isn't scared. He's not freaked out. He's not shocked. Like, oh my goodness, what, what's going on? You know, he's cool. Okay. He's calm. 
Huh? Then the disciples went to him and woke him up shouting. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I don't, I don't, you know, you, when you have kids in the round, you, you know, if you have younger kids, nap time is important for adults. And so what is a nap time? What do they say? I'm going to take a nap. Don't wake me up. So here's our, here's, here's Jesus. And they woke up. Man, what was his response? This is what he said. <laughs> the disciples went to him and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Jesus answered, why are you afraid? I don't know. I mean, again, you saw in my response, it was like, come on. I don't know if that was Jesus' response, you know, but it's like, children, you know I was taking a nap. Why are you going to come and wake me up right now? (laughs) And all those parents of preschool and elementary kids can understand, why are you waking me up? Is the house burning down? Then then it's going to be fine, you know? And just the confidence of, guys, I got this. It's going to be okay. Okay, why are you afraid? He says, you have so little faith, you know. Then he, then he stood up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly all was calm. Then, then the disciple, or the disciples just sat there in awe. I bet they did, you know. Um, who is this? They asked him. Even the wind and the waves obey him because he has dominion over nature. He has dominion over nature. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He created it. Of course, he's going to have dominion over it. Okay? So come on. He has dominion. He has eternal dominion. He has dominion uh, over heavenly powers. He has dominion over the universe. There's, there's, whether you're in China, whether you're in, in Europe, whether you're in Louisiana, all right, he is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? That's what they're meaning by universe and, and then over nature. And then I was, he has a dominion over the church over the church. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. Okay? I'm going to expound on that part a little bit later. And then Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, that, that, uh, that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor of God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any rule, ruler or authority or power or leader. I'm reading this from a different translation. Or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under his authority of Christ. And he gave him this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. And it is filled by Christ who fills everything, everywhere in his presence. When we come together in prayer, when we come together in worship, we're not just operating from... uh uh just a place of, of, of position or status, but we, but what's happening is, is because this is the, um, that's not the dwelling, but hold on. We are the dwelling of God. His spirit lives on the inside of us and he has ordained and created the church. Not only does he fill us, but then we can model him to the world. So that whenever the enemy comes, tries to come at you with fear and intimidation, his spirit is on the inside of you. 
So therefore you as the church can speak his name in authority and everything that is operating that does not line up with his word has to bow. Okay. It's important that we know that God is the authority, not us. God is the authority, but as his children, we have the inheritance as him being our father that we can walk in his name by using his name to remove uh, uh, fear and doubt and demonic activity. Are you following me? You got it? Okay. So here's, here's the second part of this. Okay. How can I experience that God is with me? One, believe that God is not deficient in anything. And we just read how God has dominion over all. Okay. Number two, how can I experience that God is with me? Number two, believe that God did not create you defective. That might not be proper grammar, but uh, you can deal with it. Okay. Believe that God did not create you defective. Now we're going to camp out on this for a few minutes. Now I want you to listen to this very, very carefully. Okay. So we have correct theology here. If we don't think that God values us and has a purpose for us, that we will not have faith that activates God's power on our behalf. I'm going to read it again. If we don't think that God values us and has purpose for us, that we will not, then we will not have faith that activates God's power on our behalf. God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay. And God doesn't need us for him to exist. He's going to exist, period. But he needs us to coexist. And what I'm meaning is that he's the creator of heaven and earth. But he created Adam and Eve. And he and he said, listen, I want that relationship exchanged with you. But each between God as well as man, they have their own roles. And it's important that we know God's role, but that we know our role. Because sometimes if we don't know our role, we'll blame it on God. And God says, hold on, sweetheart. I've done my part. I've created heaven and earth. I sin, and I know you sinned, Adam and Eve. But I sent my son to remove, to remove sin of death in your life so that you can have access to me. And I've given you my Holy Spirit to comfort you and to guide you. I've done my part. Now you and I have a part. We have to believe him. We have to receive him. We have to obey him. And many times, if we're like, God, you're not here. God, what's going on in my life? We have to trust him with our lives. Listen to what the word says in Psalm 139, 14 through 18. It says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. See, listen, next time somebody really gets on your nerves, anybody ever have people that just get on your nerves? Some of you raised your hand way too fast. You know, and I know you're not going to point to somebody next to you or nudge your spouse next to you. No, everybody's going to love everybody, you know. But I want you to look at them. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
So every time that person begins to get on your last nerve, you need to look to him and say, oh, sweetheart, you are marvelous. But you notice my response is like with a little sass. You got to believe it. Because you'll see a difference in you're marvelous. You see that? Such, such arrogance, such cockiness. Or there's a difference in you are marvelous. One brings life. One brings doubt and insecurity. God is the one declaring to us, you're marvelous. Even if we're like, no, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He makes no mistakes. You hear me? No mistakes. There's not one part of you and how God has made you and created you that is a mistake. It has a purpose. But listen to what this says. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is, is marvelous. And here's the key. How well I know it. How well I know it. If I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. If I know it, I'm not going to have the mindset that I'm defective. Because if I carry the mindset that something's wrong with me, I'm not adequate enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not able to do that. Then I'm going to miss out on the very purpose that God has created me for. For that communion and that fellowship. I am God. He's the creator of heaven and earth, the savior of the world, our comforter. And then here you are, mankind. He has his purpose. We have our purpose. But he wants us to have that fellowship together. Because there's things that you and I, we can't do on our own. We're not going to love. We're not going to have joy. We're not going to have peace. We're not going to be kind on our own. We have to be in communion with the Lord. And that that access of us being in communion with the Lord will produce that kind of evidence in our attitude and in our actions. But we have to know that we're marvelous and wonderfully made. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day, my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They are innumerable. I cannot even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. He's still with us. No matter what mindset that you went to bed with, I don't feel like I'm I'm doing anything good. I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I feel like I failed. I feel like I just, man, I just messed that up. Reflect your mind on the truth of the word of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is why. 3 John 1, 4, I love this scripture. I could have no greater joy, God speaking, I could have no greater joy than my children live in the truth. Because if they live in the truth and they know who I am, they're going to receive who I am, who I've called and created them to be. And my kingdom will be done in their life as I so desire. In Matthew 9, 28 through 29, Jesus had just come back from healing Jairus' daughter, raising her from the dead. And this is his next encounter. Matthew 9, 28 through 29. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. 
They went right into the house where he was staying. I love that. You know, they just went right on in. They weren't invited. I don't think so. doesn't say that. They just went right on in. Okay. Anyway, I'm the only one that's laughing at that. That's cool. They went right on in the house where he was staying. And Jesus asked them, um, do you believe that uh, I can make you see? Yes, Lord. They told him, um, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they can see. Here's the important part. Jesus already had the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He already had the power. Everything that was his father's was given to him. But there was a component. Jesus, he knew his role. He was the healer. But there was a component. We had to believe and have faith in him. That is vital. Listen to what Mark 6, 5 through 6 says. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and hear them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. You and I, if we do not think that God values us and has a purpose for us, we will not have the faith that activates God's power on our behalf. It is vital in order for you and I to have faith. That is what activates God's power. God, I believe in you. I call on you. God, I receive you in my life. He's like, hey, I'm here. I'm there. What do you need? What do you need? I'm here. Because his word says when when we call unto him, he will show us great and mighty things that we do not know. But what's our response? We've got to call. We've got to believe. Okay? God does, as I said earlier, God doesn't need us for him to exist, but he needs us to coexist. Why? Because God works through people. He works through people. Here's God's part. God's part is supernatural. He is a supernatural God. Man's part is natural. Very important. I'm going to say it again. God's part is supernatural. Man's part is natural. Let me give you an example. We make church choices on this earth to model and reflect the heart and the will of God for other people. And Mark 16 through 18, Doug, I, I forgot to give you this scripture, but Mark 16 through 18, uh, it says, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Okay. They will lay hands on the sick. Who would say the church? That's our part. They will recover. That's God's part. He's the healer. He's the miracle working God. Okay. It's vital that we both know our parts. Okay. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Pray then in this way. This is our part. Our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I need you. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's my part. God, I'm calling on your name. God, I believe in you. Your kingdom come, your will be on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's part. That's God's part. He's the one that brings order. It's in his name that's in, that, that is the name that is above every other name. He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that brings provisions. You and I have to know our part. Because what the enemy will do is he will use that, that uh, defective lie to cause you to be dependent upon yourself instead of on God. And then if you become dependent upon yourself, 
He's slipping in to have lordship in your heart. And you got to have that lie exposed. you got to open that mask with the truth of the word of God. Say, Lord, I believe in you. There is no lacking in you. And Lord, I'm going to believe in who you say that I am. I am yours and you are mine. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. We see here example. Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. When you and I, when you and I see and receive how God sees us, that we are not defective, when you and I choose to be dependent upon God and not dependent upon ourselves, we allow God's power to be operating in our lives. We allow our attitudes, our responses, our choices to reflect the one that made us and created us. Because he loves and he values us. Colossians 1, 12 through 12 through 14. And then I'm going to read 22 through 23. And then we're going to pray. Always thanking the Father who has enabled you. Enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to God's holy people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the one who rules the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood. And has forgiven all of our sins. And as a result, he has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. That's our part. His part, or oh, he rescued us. His part, he washed us as one as snow. His part, oh, he gave us an inheritance of belonging. His part, he gave us full access into his presence, into his peace, into his provisions. He's done, he's done his part. But this is our part. But we must continue to Believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Stand in it. Stand in it that he loves you. Stand in it that you're not a mistake and a failure. Stand in it that your life is not over. Stand in it that you are not alone. God is with you. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Thank you, Lord. See, what I just read here 
was an inheritance for his children. And if you say, Dixie, I feel alone because I don't know him. I feel alone because I've never received him. Or I feel alone because I know of him, but I've strayed away. I need him to be my Lord and my master. I need him to be the Lord and master of my heart. Not myself, not the enemy. You say, Dixie, I need him as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you, come on, I want to lead you in a prayer so that you can receive his unconditional love and grace. Come on, let's just all repeat this. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the one and only true God. I believe that you love me, that you died and paid the punishment for my sin. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus. Now, some of us in here, we might just need maybe a refresher of our Heavenly Father and His precious words for us. I believe in you. I care for you. I love you. You're not alone. I know what your tomorrow is going to look like. I'm still on the throne. I'm still your provider. I'm still your healer. I'm still there for you. I cannot abandon you. I cannot forsake you. I would be going against who I am. It's impossible. Just right where you are, if you have the ability just to to kind of lift your hands, let's go talk to the Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you just refresh us with the truth of your word. Refresh us with the truth of your word that, Lord, we are not alone. Refresh us with the truth of your word. That, Father God, we don't have to figure everything out. We don't have to be strong, Lord. You are our strong tower. That's your role. Father, we just have to surrender. That's our role. Holy Spirit, I ask. Come on, just right where you are, say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I surrender my schedule. Lord, I surrender my worries. Lord, I surrender my cares. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you come and you bring me your peace. You bring me your assurance. You bring me your confidence that you are with me. Lord, I trust you with my life. Father, I speak peace and order over the minds of of your sons and daughters right now. I speak peace and order over them right now in the name of Jesus. Fear to be broken. Fear to be shattered in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Inferiority would be broken in the name of Jesus. That rejection would be broken in the name of Jesus. That comparison would be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, be Lord. Come on, say, Lord, be Lord of my life. Lord, be Lord in my home. Lord, be Lord in my marriage. Lord, be Lord in every area of my life. Father, I surrender to you. 
be Lord. Holy Spirit, we believe in you. And we ask in the name of Jesus that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you believe that, come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Say amen like you mean it. Come on, amen. Guys, he's with you. God is with you. Come on, look to somebody. Say, God is with you. He can't fail you. He can't forget about you. It's who he is. Amen. Amen. We hope this truth of God's word has encouraged you. We love you. We care for you. If you need anything, you let us know. We'll be here to pray for you. All right. You are dismissed. Bye. God bless. Have a great night.